I'm a crazy dog lover, but I, I hate to say it, but I think I'm, I'm really smitten by camels. Um, and I really like the two humpers, the Bactrian camels, because they can live in cold places. They can live in warm places. They can tote your stuff. You can technically eat them. They're technically quasi-ruminant, meaning that they can, and I'm always passionate about animals that can, you know, eat plant matter and actually produce a meat protein. So they kind of fit all those billets and they have massive personality. So, um, so I like that about them. So kind of weird, but yeah, that's, that's my favorite species. This is the Ag Bioscience Podcast. Welcome and thanks for joining. I am Mitch Frazier, CEO of Agrinovis Indiana. This is the podcast where we explore all things ag bioscience, the people, the products, and the innovations across food, animal health, plant science, and ag tech. Today, we're digging deeper into animal health with an incredible leader with more than 30 years of accomplishments in human clinical trials, animal drug discovery, and clinical medical delivery in the private and academic sectors, as well as serving in the U.S. Army. Kristen Bloink is Vice President of Global Regulatory and Pharma Covigilance at Alanco. Welcome to the Ag Bioscience Podcast, Kristen. Thank you so much, Mitch. I appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you for joining us. We have a lot to cover. You have three decades, three decades of incredible accomplishments professionally. Give us a little bit more on your background, where you're from, kind of walk us through the journey that got you to Alanco today. Well, first of all, I'm starting to feel really, really old. That, you know, <laughs> so, you know, of course, I started when I was 12, right? Of course. Uh, yeah, of course. Perhaps not. So, so anyhow, um, you know, I, I've been fascinated recently. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take even a half a step back on this. I've been fascinated recently how we're learning more and more from psychologists of how, you know, what's around you as you're growing up really, really shapes what you envision you could be. Um, and, and your success at achieving that. And so um, I happened to grow up in Ames, Iowa, um, which is kind of a fascinating town. Um, half the town is Iowa State University students. The other half of the town are veterinarians at the National Animal Disease Center and scientists, um, as well as professors supporting the university. And then there's the Department of Transportation, so some engineers uh, lurking out there, and obviously a pretty decent medical center for a, a town of 50, 60,000 people. And, and I live right across the river from the National Animal Disease Center. So the, the veterinary thing was, you know, what's that? What do they do there? Um, I also was surrounded in my neighborhood. I was a newspaper carrier and surrounded by a bunch of engineering professors, and it seemed like physicians. So I was like, what's a urologist? What's a civil engineer? What's an electrical engineer? Um, and I don't, I, I realize now how fortunate I was, right, to have that Absolutely. experience and that influence in me. So big surprise that as I grew up, I was like, hmm, I think medicine seems really interesting, and I love science. Um, but I really struggled with veterinary medicine or human medicine. Um, and I tried to um, get some time in both the local hospital, as well as it was fairly easy to go out to Iowa State and spend some time in the veterinary school and get some experience there. Um, but that really kind of launched me. And so I ended up having a career in human medicine for about 10 years as a PA, then finally followed my heart. I got a public health degree in epidemiology um, and then went off to veterinary school. Um, and my favorite day still is the day where we're applying science, we're learning science, and we're thinking about ways to apply it to human medicine, animal medicine, and, and improve society. So to me, that's the perfect day. And that was actually, I started thinking that way before One Health was a thing, actually, quite yeah. frankly, um, is, you know, there was a great intersect there. And so, and obviously, you know, functioned as a clinician for quite a while. 
But as you function as a human clinician or you work as a veterinarian, especially as a veterinarian, you go, wow, we're missing a lot of tools here. There's a lot of things that we could be using to improve the health of farm animals. And there's a lot of things in pet health that you're like, they have that in human medicine. Gosh, why do we not have that? So that led me to industry 15 years ago. And I got a job at Novartis Animal Health. Um, I happened to end up in Novartis Animal Health in a vaccine segment of the business. And that was just sort of by happenstance. I got, I got a clinical development position in R&D and it ended up being in that space. And so I've been working myself up through the ranks and the knowledge base um, over the past 15 years. Um, all, all positions in research or development, understanding all stages. I did bridge beyond vaccine at some point and understood small molecule and the other technology platforms. Um, but that's been, that's been really a key um, sort of, I continue to be driven by the idea that instead of treating a hundred patients this week or, you know, five herds or flocks of mm -hmm. flocks of animals, I can treat millions of patients effectively if we do our job well. Um, so that's, I mean, to me, that's kind of the, I don't know, the, the odd little journey there that, that I've been on. Um, actually, ironically, going back wouldn't, wouldn't change it. And, and even the U.S. Army experience, which I know you've had as well, Mitch, um, was really powerful for me. Again, to see developing countries, see countries in conflict um, and, and realize how important agriculture um, was to the fabric of those communities because you have to feed your people um, and you have to take care of their health. And those are critical elements. And it was good to see that from the, from the military lens actually as well. Yeah, really, really powerful. And I love the story around food, right? I mean, your, your point there, specifically looking at it through a military lens, but we can look at it through a, an innovation lens. We can look at it through a macroeconomic piece. It's why we're so passionate about food innovation is because until food, until the food piece is solved, everything else is really, really challenging. And so I, I, I'm so happy, so happy you brought that up. As, as you've kind of walked through that journey, I was thinking about as you were there in Ames, Iowa, and you were looking at all these different career paths that you could go down, human medicine or, or animal medicine. Did you ever think there would be another career? Did you ever think, hey, you know what? Yeah, medicine's interesting, but I'll go do something else. Or were there other things you were thinking about pursuing? I, I did, actually. And, I, and interestingly enough, you know, as an Iowa kid, as I shopped universities, Purdue was very high on my list, mm. actually, as I looked at engineering. Um, and I was, I was struggling in engineering, engineering in terms of what I was interested in, but as time has gone on, there is a burning civil engineer still in me. And I love bridges. I can stand and look at bridges forever. I'm fascinated by them. I'm really fascinated on them when they resonate or things break apart and they, and then they crash. Um, and I'm still fascinated by traffic. Um, and perhaps ironic now that I live in Carmel <laughs> and I watch rotaries and I look at how track is traffic systems work and new innovation there. Um, yeah, I'm intrigued by traffic and, and bridges. And so I don't think we have a second life, but if somehow that does work out, that's probably what I'll come back and try out next time. So. Fascinating. Fascinating. Now, last year, I guess it's been two years ago now, Lanco made a giant announcement that they're consolidating the global headquarters here in Indiana, near west side of Indianapolis, following the acquisition of Bear Animal Health. We all know Elanco Macro as this global leader in animal health, key part of our ag bioscience economy. Break it down a little bit more for us. What does Elanco do and, and where is it that sort of value evolved over time? Yeah, thanks. And that's, uh, we've been on quite a journey, right? So, I mean, the cool part about Elanco is that they've had um, amazing evolution. Um, you know, started in the mid part of the century um, and started in that mid part of the century as a very farm animal focused 
um, antimicrobial focused sort of space. Um, and Lily as the parent, um, and, and certainly continued to evolve um, over the next many decades um, into the late 19, 1990s um, as a very strong leader in that farm animal, direct fed antimicrobial um, space. A lot of very innovative products, um, very successful products, um, and, and game changer in productivity um, across multiple species in the farm animal space. And then 2000 rolls around and, and there was a recognition as most animal health companies have recognized is that diversity in your pipeline and portfolio is key. And so the pet health piece of it was a key element that, that probably should be added. Um, not to minimize the emphasis and the importance of the farm animal piece, but to help diversify the economics in the company. Um, if we look at the farm animal space, we see a commodities driven part of the business. We look at the pet health space, it's, it's a heart driven business um, and it's a first party payer system. So it's not even quite like human health. And where we have third party payer systems, we have a first party payer system here. So it's what my cat or my dog is worth to me. Um, is what I'm willing to pay. And so in the 2000s, then some acquisitions occurred to continue growing farm animal, but to also um, bring online um, some innovation in the, um, in the pet health space and obviously organic development of assets in-house as well. Um, I came over into Elanco with the Novartis acquisition, which occurred 2014, 2015 timeframe. Um, and that was a very big investment to, to bring into significant, more significance in the pet health space, but also more significance back into, and I'm proud of that, the vaccine space, um, recognizing that vaccine was important both in both segments, right? The farm animal segment, as well as the pet health segment. Um, and then the thing that also has been happening in the last 10 to 15 years has been our commitment to um, new technologies and innovations. So recognizing that, again, those foundational elements of Elanco are still, in some cases, very productive products for us, but there's new technologies and ways to manage infectious diseases in particular. And so what are we doing about, direct, you know, what are we doing about antimicrobial peptides? What are we doing about nutritional health opportunities? Um, are there things that we could be doing with next generation vaccines um, that would help us prevent um, infectious disease from popping up in animals? And so, so lots of um, energy and effort into those kinds of spaces. Um, and so now if we look at where we're at, um, we see ourselves at about, you know, 40% U.S. Um, sales. We see ourselves at about 66% international, which again, that was a piece of the, the strategy there as well, is to make sure that we're not um, just helping feed and get food security and food safety in the United States and productivity, but we're doing that globally. I'm so pleased to see that we've got that split occurring. Um, we've got about a 50-50 split in revenue between farm animal and pet health um, right now. And we've got about six species that we cover. About 50% of that is dog and cat, and the other 50% is those farm animal species. And so, and we've got really a nice um, array of technology types ranging from nutritional products, to vaccines, to hormones, to um, pharmaceuticals. Um, and one of the acquisitions that occurred here most recently was the Bear Animal Health acquisition. One of the things that we wanted to do there was to get ourselves into the over-the-counter market more successfully um, in the pet health space um, and continue to strengthen the other aspects of our international portfolio for the farm animal space, which I think has been proving out now in the last year since our acquisition to be quite successful. Oh, that's great, Kristen. It's it's so good to see what Jeff and you and the team are doing and building this portfolio, not just of products, but of customer type to go from 
you know, to have now a balanced portfolio between farm animal or production animal and companion animal is just, just extraordinary. I mean, truly extraordinary. Now, last year, as you worked through 2021, like all of us did, uh, brought some change to you uh, at, at Alanco. You now have a new title, Vice President Global Regulatory and Pharmacovigilance. What's that mean? What do you what do you what do you what are you doing? Yeah, thanks thanks for the question. Um, so this this role, um, I, as I mentioned earlier, I've been spent really 15 years kind of learning the elements and being involved in all stages of of research and development. So taking you know developing early um, early molecules, um, identifying externally early molecules to bring into the pipeline, doing that proof of concept in early work to see if we can actually make them. They're safe. They work. Um, and then working most recently in the development stages where we're again, making sure that we're connecting with regulatory agencies, we've got exactly what needs to happen on these assets to get them to the marketplace. And again, back to that clinician in me, if we can't get the science to the endpoint, then I'm not in, right? So, so to me, very important that we are successful prosecutors of good science um, to get it to the marketplace and it works for customers. So now all of a sudden, um, I have a role that is um, closest to the customer than I've ever been. Um, quite frankly, I have a really large team that's all across the globe, which makes me excited because I love uh, a global a global team uh, to navigate and work with. Um, and about 80% of that team focuses on our existing products in the marketplace. Um, how are they performing? Is there anything that's making us concerned about how they're working? How are they still safe? Is there something happening with our manufacturing process that we could improve um, to make them even more cost effective for the customer um, or give us better yields um, to help everybody all the way around? Um, is there a regulatory change that's happening? Regulatory agencies all across the globe are constantly updating their standards and requirements. Um, and most of our products actually require some annual reporting or semi-annual or triannual reporting on what's been happening with that asset. Sometimes we even have to go out and we have to redo some studies just to prove that, prove that they're still working um, and doing what they're supposed to be doing. So, so that's the piece that I'm, and, and that's kind of exciting for me, actually, quite frankly. I woke up every day and I now look at my inbox and I have a, ooh, we have an issue with this here. Or, Here's an opportunity here. Um, and it's directly related to some, you know, the use of a product by a customer um, today. Um, and that's pretty exciting for me. The other 20% of my team is still, focusing on that R&D pipeline. Um, so making sure that we indeed have the right plan um, in our projects um, and we're engaging with the various agencies across the globe in, a, in an appropriate way to make sure that those are moving through as effectively as we possibly can. Um, so very excited about that. Um, lots of veterinarians and veterinary technicians on my team, which also makes me excited. Um, they by default, um, usually are pretty passionate about the animals that, that are downstream in their care, uh, but also lots of other great um, folks in the team. Um, solid scientists, um, great, um, you know, just communicators, um, great people with have great government skills, um, et cetera, um, that help us do our job. But, but really cool team. I'm excited to embark on the journey of continuing to take this team even to the next level of functionality. So. What an exciting time. I mean, I love the thread of curiosity. It <laughs> goes through not just your background, but the work that you get to do now of constantly being curious, identifying issues, challenges, opportunities, and going to hit them head on. Time for one more question, Kristen. Okay. And this is, uh, this is a little crystal ball. So I, I need you to get the crystal ball out. And okay. uh, you've got a ton of, a ton of breadth at Alanco, as we've talked about, from companion animal to production animal, farm animal. What big trends, maybe the top two that you see in innovations, what are the top two or three innovation trends that you see? 
that we, you think we'll see here in the next year or two really affect the animal health market? Yeah, I mean, I think I think one of them, and you and I were just chatting about this a little bit because I think coming off of the um, the consumer uh, products or uh, consumer electronic uh, showcase, um, this was a big big piece there uh, this year, which is digital capabilities. Um, if you look at digital capabilities, and then I'm going to add with that data analytics, right? Because you've got to be sure. able to take the information from the digital monitoring and then understand it, um, make sure that we can validate it. To, to answer the question of what we're looking at in the animal place. But if we look at the farm animal place first, you know, I was pretty excited, I think 15 years ago, the first time I put an algometer on the, you know, um, on the on the leg of a, of a dairy cow on a study that I had um, and was trying to categorize, you know, how much movement are we seeing and can I link this to, um, you know, presence of liver abscess or not, or other disease state going on in that, in that cow um, or group of, or herd of cattle. Um, so I think we've evolved tremendously in the last 15 years. We now have camera systems that can show flock movements. Um, we obviously have lots more data systems that allow us to track feed, water intake, movement. We have gyroscopes to help us see how much animals are moving up and down in addition to moving forward and, and back and forth. Um, and all of that, I think, has a potential to help us catch disease states earlier um, and, and make a difference in sort of our treatment strategies. Um, and so, so to me, that's really exciting on the farm animal side. If we flip to the pet health side, a little similar, but, but different kind of space. So we have wearables um, and people are building out algorithms that help us say, you know, that itching pattern that you're seeing on your golden retriever this, this afternoon might be giving you a hint that there's an ear infection there. Or, you know, that the, we there's a pattern that shows that your cat's not jumping up on your dryer quite as much as it usually does or not looking out the window as much as it does in its, in its movement pattern. There may be something going on with your cat. And I think those are crazy powerful tools um, in an environment where, again, we can't get direct feedback from our patients, right? So, um, so I'm really excited about what we see coming out of those in the next, um, next it, I mean, right now, great stuff coming out of that. And I think we're gonna see lots of evolution in the next few years. Um, from the kind of technology platform space, um, I'm still really passionate about vaccine. And I've been very excited, especially in the farm animal space, because I think prevention is key. Um, and we'd like to not treat, we'd like to prevent. Um, and so one of the key tools in our pocket is our vaccines. But we certainly have some um, disease states where we're still challenged and struggling um, to come up with vaccines that are as efficacious as we need them to be. Um, and we're always looking for new technology platforms. And I've been excited to see viral vector platforms. I've been excited to see subunit vaccines. And we have been working on RNA replicons for a long time and is supporting our human colleagues in that space. And so it's been very exciting to see RNA vac replicon vaccines now in use in the COVID pandemic, um, making a difference in large, huge populations across the globe of humans um, and seeing those coming down exponentially in price that gives a, that is a, those a plausible endeavor for the food animal space, um, as well as the pet, pet health space. And so I'm really excited to see how we can now apply. We've just increased our toolkit in the vaccine space uh, with the RNA replicon. And so I'm very excited about what we can do with those in the, in the, in the animal space. Such an exciting time, Kristen, to be in animal health and to be in the ag biosciences. Kristen Bloink is vice president of global regulatory and pharmacovigilance at Alanco. Kristen, just delighted uh, to spend time with you. Thanks so much for investing the time today. Uh, thank you so much, Mitch. Appreciate it.
Thanks for tuning in to the Ag Bioscience Podcast. Get the latest Ag Bioscience news and innovations by subscribing to this podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can always learn more online at agronovisindiana.com. That's agronovisindiana.com. And on behalf of the entire Agronovis Indiana team, I'm Mitch Frazier. Thanking you for listening. We look forward to seeing you real soon. This podcast is a product of Inside Indiana Business, hosted by Gary Dick and produced by Kayla Chittister and Joe Ullery. More people get Indiana business news from Inside Indiana Business than any other source.